Hello and welcome to Historical Frictions, a historical fiction podcast where we delve into the nitty-gritty of history, fiction and everything in between. I'm Hilary and I'm joined as always by my co-host Tess. Hi! (laughs) So this is our very first bonus episode. Surprise! (laughs) We will introduce you to what we're talking about in a moment but Tess, how are you going? I'm all right. I'm a bit tired. I've been doing a lot of kind of various bits and pieces on top of my normal work lately. So I'm kind of mm. mm, <laughs> academia, mm. as you know, as it is. Um, juggle game. That's all right. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm also very tired, but not for <laughs> busy reasons. Again, like I've been saying in the last two episodes, trying to get back into a schedule and started a thesis journal on my computer the other day, which helped a little bit, I think. You used to handwrite stuff, didn't you? Yeah, like I used to handwrite like physical... it. Mm-hmm. I had a, got a, a little like Muji notebook that I used to write it in. I think it was just because I thought it was what you were supposed to do. And then I, <laughs> I saw a video of this guy who was like, I kept a journal for 14 days and this is what it achieved. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. And then he hand typed really it. Like, he typed it up and I was like, what? <laughs> 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 you do that. Radical. Radical. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've started doing that. So hopefully I'll start organizing my thoughts a little bit more. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Before we also get fully into the conversation about what our bonus episode's about, we have had a little bit of feedback to say that we didn't actually tell people how we met <laughs> in our first episode where we introduced ourselves. So we thought we'd tell you, tell everybody about that now. Yeah, typically yeah. it was a typical <laughs> academic meeting. We we met at a conference. <laughs> We did because we said, you know, we swapped cities, but actually we did meet when we technically were briefly both in the same city. Yeah. We only met, I think six months before you moved to Adelaide. Yeah. (laughs) Which is very brief like meeting, but we, yeah, we both went to a conference that was held by Macquarie. You were in the later stages of finishing your MRes and I was, I'd had submitted my PhD application and I was waiting to hear back about it. And it was a sort of film and TV conference that we both presented at. Mm. And you presented on Robin Hood and I presented on Game of Thrones. Yeah, classic examples of both of our (laughs) academic interests. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I was talking about intermediality and Robin Hood video games. That was good fun. Yeah, and I was... You had the best title of any academic (laughs) paper ever. (laughs) Yeah, if anyone's interested, it was actually based on a <laughs> it was based on a book chapter that was published in 2018, and the title is uh, "Beyond Tits and Dragons," because <laughs> it's a it's a it's a quote from Ian McShane who starred in a random episode in season six, I think it was. There, I basically talk about how Game of Thrones has influenced perceptions of medieval history and the general public. But I was surprised mm. because I was the only one who was talking about Game of Thrones. I thought there would be mm. so many people, but yeah, it was it was an interesting conference. <laughs> yeah it's a fun but yeah and then, experience like, it we met so therefore it yeah was and we just kind of like <laughs> hit it off which was really yeah. it was really fun because I, I haven't made heaps of friends in Sydney and as soon as we met I was like I like you <laughs> and then we spent six months being like we have to do pub trivia together and never yeah. matched it yeah yeah <laughs> we should be doing some virtual pub pr- trivia now because i know that's the thing Good. yeah anyway yeah so <laughs> that's our little meet cute <laughs> yeah that's our little meet cute let's get into the bonus episode so 
as we mentioned, this is a bonus episode. We will be hoping to do this every month, maybe twice a month. We'll see how we go. This is going to be shorter episodes um, where we were discussing other popular culture or inviting guests on to talk about their topics. As we mentioned in the first episode, we have already got some exciting guests lined up in the coming months. And we were also discussing the potential of doing some watch parties on Facebook later on, which is exciting. We don't know how that works, so we'll figure that out later. <laughs> but yeah, so, we'll Tess, you know. Tess, what are we discussing today? Yes. Okay, we are talking about Nightfall, that's night with a K, the <laughs> 2017 TV series about the Knights Templar and medieval France. We decided to just have a look at the first episode. We think that gives us enough to discuss, really. It's really action-packed, there's a lot going on. So if you haven't seen the show, there probably won't be too many spoilers. We are mostly talking about the first episode, but we are sort of talking a little bit about what we do know about, I guess, the whole concept of the series. So if anyone who doesn't know, Knights Templar are kind of very well-known in terms of pop culture, the, you know, Da Vinci Code, even things like Assassin's Creed games, but basically there were an order of knights, a kind of Catholic organization. They started out as sworn to protect Christian pilgrims who were traveling in the Holy Land. And then over time, their organization kind of grew. They became really significant, really wealthy. And there's a lot of debate now surrounding their downfall, which is kind of what this show actually focuses on, the kind of end period of the knights. I was about to say rain. Wasn't there rain? Um, the Knights nice Templar Endgame. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is interesting because a lot of kind of media does your kind of origin story. So I think that's quite Yeah, cool. there's a lot of mythologizing alongside the like Knights Templar and especially mm-hmm. as we go into like popular culture. But if anyone's not familiar with this show, I'll give you just a quick brief rundown. It's a Jeremy Renner produced show and conceived show. So if people don't know who that is, that's Hawkeye from the Avengers, which I found very oh, weird. So strange. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was produced for the History Channel, which is another little like interesting little tidbit there. It's set in early 14th century, focusing on the Knights Templar, as we've said. Our main protagonist that we have in the series is Landry. Uh, he's a Knights Templar, but we also have a few other historical characters, including King Philip IV of France, his wife, Queen Joan of Navarre, and Pope Boniface turns up a little while later. The main goal of the show is to, as, as Tess said, to track that sort of suppression of the group, which happened around 1312. So this starts, I believe, in 1304. So we've obviously got a big time period there where they can sort of fill in that fill in that timeline but we also get a brief glimpse of the crusades at the very start with the templars in jerusalem at the fall of um acca in 1291 and they attempt to flee from jerusalem with the holy grail and then it sort of cuts to 14 15 years later in paris yeah so that's just kind of a brief rundown of what happens in the very first part of the episode. One thing that I found really interesting right from the get-go was they had this kind of big disclaimer of sorts kind of text at the start of the episode saying, you know, this combines history and fiction. History Mm. and also, I can't remember the exact wording. I kind of looked and went, cool, okay. Which you sort of immediately know anyway because they go straight into this narrative about the Grail, which, you know, the Knights Templar and the Holy Grail myth are very commonly entwined yeah which is why i think they come up in the da vinci code (laughs) yeah (laughs) so 
yeah, I thought that was sort of interesting. It's sort of, I, I know a bit about the period, probably not enough to really untangle which bits are fiction and which bits are history as they kind of divide it. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. it does give us a glimpse into kind of underlying religious tensions leading up to the expulsions of the Jews in Paris, which was in this episode. And it's kind of framed as a plot of King Philip's advisor as opposed to Philip himself, yeah. which I thought was interesting. The Templars at this point in the episode, at least, were really kind of good guys. There's a little bit of tension within the organization. Some of them maybe seem slightly, you know, they kind of talk a little bit about their, their money, their wealth, and refusing to get involved in mm. sort of state matters. And like, you know, there was sort of a comment that they give bread to people or whatever enough to seem like they, they're not holding their wealth, stuff like that. So there's a little bit of tension with it, but they would definitely be the good kind of heroic knights as an organization. And Landry kind of steps in as and he kind of pushes for more involvement and he's the one who organizes them to protect the Jews as they're forced to leave the city. Uh, so he's kind of a bit of a hero character, which I assume is going to emerge more throughout the series, but that's definitely set up from the start. So yeah, with all that in mind, that's the kind of premise yeah. that's what's <laughs> happening in the episode. Let's talk about it. What did you think of it? <laughs> I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. Yeah, me but- neither. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of historical program that I would categorize as historical trash in a way. It's designed designed to be easily consumed. It's designed to be watched with like a sort of bowl of popcorn or whatever. And you can kind of follow along the story really easily. It felt very similar to things like Pillars of the Earth, that kind of vibe. Like it was sort of, I don't know, I don't quite know if it's an aesthetic thing or whether it's like a script thing, but it was just the way that it was, it came across on the screen. It felt very similar to other medieval shows that I'd seen. But yeah, I didn't hate it. I just thought it was a bit silly. (laughs) Yeah. What about about you? I think it's interesting that you say that because I think that what I don't like about shows, one of the things I really don't like about shows like this is that they're silly and kind of ridiculous but they take themselves very seriously that's so true (laughs) and so you know you think about like my favorite movies like stuff like a knight's tale that is so like fun and you get this vibe that you know that they're kind of they they find this a little bit ridiculous they're having fun with it whereas then you get a show like this that you and i watch and we're like you know it's a bit silly it's a bit ridiculous they you know they're looking for the holy grail there's this but they take themselves so seriously they present it so intensely the whole time and so it kind of drives me nuts but yeah i mean i didn't i also didn't hate it that much but I don't I don't I just okay despite loving this sort of period of history being really interested in shows like this from a kind of academic perspective I don't really enjoy them because I think crusades history is really complicated yeah kind of involved the crusades have become such a like particular western narrative that's really co-opted by you know white supremacist white nationalist groups so it's really tricky I think to tell a crusade story and this is I mean my thesis for my master's was about a Robin Hood game from the early 90s and about the the crusader narrative in the time of the first Gulf War so a bit different but it's a similar kind of I guess because you get this real sort of hero worship of the idea of the crusades the kind of noble crusades and I think I mean right from the start in this show they were like sort of defending the city and I mean but they had invaded and taken it before and it had been taken from them and there's a sort of actual like quite a long history you get this idea that you know they're being kicked out of this place and they're having to run away yeah um, that's the whole like it's called the fall of mm, Appa when really yeah the 
population that ex- were there beforehand and got kicked out were taken mm-hmm. back. Yes. I'm not a hundred percent on top of that, but were they, were they Muslims? Yes. They're a particular kind of group from Egypt. I think that uh, okay. kind of come yeah. across as well. I don't know. I, I don't, there's the crusades is quite, it's actually quite a long history. Like people don't realize quite how many crusades. Yeah, this is were. A very, 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 <laughs> right? very, very, very end. Like this is the, the, yeah. crusade. like this is, a, yeah. This isn't um, like, you know, the first crusade that happened very early on and what people probably recognise as things like maybe the, is it the third crusade, which is related to like Richard the Lionheart and yeah. the Robin Hood. Uh, yeah, it's been kind of added yeah, into it. Yeah, that's what's been dis- crusade, yeah. Yeah, depicted in things like, like hundred years Hood, before this. Robin Hood, like least. Disney film and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, this is the very end of it. And yeah, I, I found that very confusing. Like I didn't quite know which group was what at the very beginning yeah and but they still definitely put i mean i've forgotten his name already landry kind of saves like the young girl and the the father and like this sort of or maybe it's one of the other knights i can't remember one of them it was landry Landry, i thought so so they're kind of like helping the people and they make these comments like what are we we have to defend the people that are here yeah and so you definitely get a sense if you didn't know anything about it before that the crusaders in that or the Templars as kind of representative of the Crusaders in that moment are like the good guys getting kicked out of this city and they can't defend it. They've got Mm. to run away. They're getting bombed. They're getting like shot. They're so outnumbered. There's all this Mm. sort of, which is a very, like, that's, I think it's quite a deliberate choice, right? To pick that kind of moment of the Crusades to start your um, story. Like they were like, it gives you no context for what happened before. There's no context. And like, there's pretty horrific kind of massacres by crusaders of muslim like women and children like this it's not it's not like a clear-cut good and bad narrative in the way that it sort of seems in that moment of the show so i thought i just think from the outset with that that you get and that's a really common narrative in terms of the crusades having Mm. this very clear like white white saviors unfairly attacked non-white enemies you know in this foreign land as kind Mm. of so from the outset, I was a little bit like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the deliberate um, choice that's been made. It's a deliberate choice. But <laughs> I do think, you know, there are other elements in the show that I thought were quite good and really interesting. I don't know what kind of comes up more throughout the rest of the series. It's interesting but... you're talking about that sort of white saviour thing because mm. I guess in recent times, the only other thing that I can think of that's depicted the Crusades is Kingdom of Heaven. Mm-hmm. Orlando Bloom. Look, he ends up working... I think he ends up with a Muslim group that want to reclaim part of the Holy Land. So he like basically mm-hmm. abandons the whole like crusade element. It's kind of unwatchable, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's a it's a it's done by the same guy who did Gladiator. So it's mm-hmm. along the same same lines. But yeah, it's I got to the point where I like I think I zoned out. Like I even went to go see it at the movies, but I just completely zoned out. But it is very much that white savior narrative. Like he goes to the Holy Land and then he's the one who's going to help the Muslims reclaim what they've lost. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a whole other kettle of fish. But <laughs> generally speaking, like I quite 
to talk about what we liked, I mm. quite like the the medievalness of it. Once we've moved away from the crusade setting, we've, we're in mm. medieval Paris. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I found myself like really my eye attracted to was when they were in Paris. They're just sort of like in these bustling well. medieval yeah. streets that were, weren't clean. Those mm-hmm. people just walking around. I think they had a real mishmash of costumes happening, but it seems like they just pulled costumes from like left, right, <laughs> center from like. I was very entertained when he went, like he went for his little raunchy hookup and he just wore like his white it's what you wear under armor. Like it's the padding tunic that you wear underneath your armor. Yeah. You wouldn't wear that as a normal tunic. Like it's that's just designed joint, to be this... worn under armor. <laughs> so like they obviously had his costume and that was like what he was going to wear. Yeah. We'll just take all of that off and then, and then off just, I go. You just wouldn't walk around in that, but okay. But it was sort of like, I just also, I was very, it was very white <laughs> in that kind of, you saw him walking yeah. through the street and everyone was in kind of colors. And then, like you said, it wasn't clean, but then he yeah. was in this kind of white tunic. I was like, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but yeah, I, I really like the kind of medieval vibe. I think they did quite well with the kind of authentic feel of like the city. I liked that. Yeah, no, I like that too. Mm. And some of the costumes were really nice. Like I really liked uh, Queen Jones costume. I think at the end, like when she's in the kind of queen. Wait, yeah, outfit. yeah, 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 yeah. So she's got the really nice. So she's got mm, really nice. Cool. Um, two braids coming down the front of her head. Mm. Her costume is actually really nice and like measured. Mm. I think something that a lot of medieval productions kind of fall in the trap of is making the female costumes either slightly too modern or <laughs> not quite like accurate enough so i think about things like pillars of the earth and like matilda's costumes are always really plain and really boring but i think what this this production has done is a really like nice measured job on queen joan of like she's the queen so she's going to have a lot more glitz to her but she's also quite medieval in the way she's presented yeah it didn't, like. it didn't seem overdone like it looked yeah right. i don't know enough about the costuming i don't know enough about um the kind of fashion of the era but like it seemed right yeah to me yeah yeah, yeah. I I really like I, mean, I watched it with my partner and <laughs> it's just what was what did she say nights nice of the round templar <laughs> yeah she looked at our dog she was our dogs like on the couch in between us and she was like all right we ready knights of the round templar uh, <laughs> no and she kind of looked at me and I was like no <laughs> that's the cutest um, thing I've ever heard I love it <laughs> But yes, so we were, <laughs> I think we don't want to like shame her publicly on our podcast. But anyway, um, we were watching her. and she, she was really like shocked to see some of the, the representation of the Jewish communities and the, yeah. like, they face like the symbols sewn onto their clothes. Like she didn't know that that had a kind of longer tradition in history. So I think some of those elements I thought it being included were really good. Yeah. I, I found it an annoying first of all, because I had just read the tattoos of Auschwitz. So I was like, I can't escape it. But <laughs> at the same time, I was really thankful that they included that because I think mm while we've studied medieval history and medieval religious history in particular, mm-hmm. we know that the Jewish persecution has a long history in Europe. Mm-hmm. I don't think general readers, uh, general readers, general viewers would have known that, you know, Jewish expulsions from cities were happening all the way through medieval Europe. And like, you know, to the point where like Spain got rid of all their Jews at one point and like, they were just, completely without a home yeah and i from yeah. my quick from my very quick googling skills because i actually had never i never knew i mean i don't know that much about the templars but from what i had learned before i never knew that they had a protected jewish 
groups in that way. And I did a bit of a very quick research and I think that is actually a bit accurate. So that's interesting too. I don't know enough about it, yeah, but which is I'm hoping that it is true. Uh, yeah. I hope that bit wasn't fiction. I hope that wasn't like something they decided to add in to make the Templars look better as people. I mean, that's interesting as well because like the but, Catholics obviously quite mm. anti-Jewish in, in the sense. And I think it's just a bizarre, it's a bizarre thing to have it like framed as a plot against like devised by an advisor as well. It's very like, I don't know. I think maybe it's because that King Philip is known as King Philip the Fair. It might've just been because Mm. they want to like include that sort of narrative that he's actually quite a just king. Mm. But like, you know, at one point they have the dialogue where the advisor's like, we could tax the Jews to get more money. And he's like, no, we're not going to do that. You know? It was, we could, yeah, it was like, we could, what, what about like, we could get it from the Jews or take it from the Jews. And he was yeah. like, well, they won't lend to me. And the advisor's like, well, I didn't say lend. <laughs> like, that's the kind of like. Yeah, yeah. It's um, just like, take know, it away. Take from... it. Yeah, um, I think the evil advisor is an interesting addition. I don't, yeah. like, that's kind of sort of, that's a, tropey add-in to give us this kind of nice king. I'm not going to lie. A, a big part of my interest in Templar history is the kind of like the, um, the role of sodomy, heresy kind of accusations in the trial period. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I was really, I was like, I didn't realize it was King Philip at first when he first was in the scene and he has this kind of almost like flirty, playful he does. moment. And I was like, that is very gay. Are we about to actually get some of that history in here? I was like, are I they going to make it? I thought and then because they don't, they don't, they don't introduce us to Joan for such a long time as well. Like they that kind was of very dramatic. Like we're keeping her in 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 the background for some reason. Like I couldn't figure out yeah, what yeah. it was. Like was she sick or something? And then you find out it's because like there's a whole like it's not huge spoiler. The it happens subplot. in the first. The subplot is that laundry and um laundry Landry. <laughs> 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 Landry and Joan are having an affair. Which, so you see her as like she seems like. Well, not a peasant woman. She's obviously not like she looks. She's quite not clean. dressed up. Yeah, she's not. But she's not dressed up. She's a normal kind of. And she kind of feeds him some information and stuff, so that you're like, oh, who is this woman? And they have the worst. Like they have a very raunchy. They have the <laughs> worst like, like historical, sucks. cliched sex scene in the world. They do. They do. And like climbs in a window. Climbs in a window. Has mm. sex against a wall. That's just such mm. a classic. You know, very lifting dramatic. of all the skirts. Oh my god. Yeah. And also like. The, th- the part that they're trying to emphasize there is that the Knights Templar was supposed to have a vow of celibacy and they have this weird dialogue. <laughs> I don't remember this bit where he's obsessing over the like, the like almost like the, the, the hip area of a woman. Like he's just kind of like, like this is the greatest creation yeah. known to man. And like, why would you deny yourself of this? Is very they, they very, it was a very like forced drop in of the like, remember your vows of chastity. I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Okay. Uh, um, cool. But then obviously at the very <laughs> end, we get like the sort of reveal that uh, Queen Joan uh, she's is the queen. Um, yeah. And then she's also. Like like, that. Yeah. And she's also. I enjoyed like, that dramatically. Yeah. I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then he's also responsible for telling Knights Templar or telling um, Landry that the plot against the Jews is devised by them. the ad- advisor. So basically yeah. the advisor arranges for this preacher who's been standing on the streets to basically get rid of the Jews, to be murdered by someone who ha- is wearing their like patch, who is not Jewish. To Yeah, so he basically walks up and stabs him. To sort of frame them. And then all yeah. the the Parisians are like, get rid of the Jews. And then at one point we get a tomato thrown and it lands on the child's face. 
Mm. With child's face. And I was like, I know that's not meant to be funny, but... <laughs> but... <laughs> it came across really silly. Yeah, like, it, it just bit, came across yeah. really... Yeah. Anyway, and then... And so, Queen Joan alerts that to the um, to the Templar and they run and... Um, they save them from this ambush that's being planned by this advisor. As well as the the other, like, really silly thing that happens in the episode is the two... The dad and the child that would rescue Paul of Acker, turn up in this crowd of Jewish, (laughs) like people who've been expelled, this Jewish crowd. And then she like, the kid who's now. She grabs the sword, the the spear, she's like joining in and he's like, thanks so much for helping. Yeah. And then they're like, we've met you before. (laughs) I was, I was, I was genuinely wanted someone to just tell her off for like, just picking up a spear and joining in a very like heated armed battle. I was like, please. You would not survive um, that. <laughs> I was like, don't do that. <laughs> I like the, you know, I see how you're doing this feminist empowerment moment, but please, again, my partner on the couch was sort of like, oh my God, because she saw like the dramatic number of of the like outlaw, whatever bandit people and the very small yeah. group of Templars who like get off their horses. And, and I was like, from what I know about the Templars, this is going to be a very swift victory. Yeah. <laughs> Like this is this is set up to show you their like battle prowess because in the yeah. beginning they lose a battle quite badly. So they needed yeah. to give you this moment of like, you know, we are we are actually very impressive in our <laughs> trained fighting skills. Yeah. Um, and then so I just remembered there's also a whole hmm. other subplot that's happening in this episode where um the leader of the Knights Templar oh, yeah. finds an orange in <laughs> in the, the cloisters. Orange. There's an orange, orange in the cloisters and he goes he tells Landry that he's going to go off and he's in charge. Like Landry's in charge until he comes back. He goes off and he gets ambushed by basically a bunch of like highwaymen, but medieval mm-hmm. equivalent of highwaymen. And this, oh, um, I'm pretty sure the guy in the little house who's watching calls them highwaymen. Oh, he does. Okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if that's what they called them in the medieval period. Anyway, neither do I, but he does. Yeah. <laughs> I think they do. Okay. Based on Robin Hood stuff. I'm pretty sure that that is a term that was used. Okay, cool. That happens, and this guy who owns a farm and he's like having this this conversation with his fiance goes on for like five full minutes where they're just talking yeah. about the names of their future kids and all this other stuff. And there's this sort of weird little flirty thing where it's like, don't talk about kids because if you d- my dad hears you, he's gonna think we've like we've done it. <laughs> anyway, oh my god, this Knights Templar I just rides, did not care. <laughs> yeah, I know. This Knights Templar rides rides out of the the forest, being chased by this highwayman, and the guy's like, "I'm gonna go off and and help." The girl's like, "No, don't do that." And then he does, and he helps basically take some of them down, but the Knights Templar guy dies and mm-hmm. gives him the sword and mm-hmm. the whole. Says you've got to take this back. Take this back. Give it to. Give it to. Right. Yeah. Give it to the group, and they will know what to do. Did and you course, like immediately see it coming that as soon as he left, that like she was in trouble? Did that occur to you? Because I the did. guy, the girl. Yep. Well, I was like, he says at one point that she's with his, her dad, so I thought that they might be okay, but I didn't. I, I, I thought I the whole shocked. farm was going to be on fire. <laughs> I, I wasn't shocked when she came back. I was like, oh, what are they implying? I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> his origin story. He's going to join the Knights Templar. Yeah, basically. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but I bet it is. Yeah, basically. So <laughs> the, the, the farmer 
kid comes back. Get this the body so, of the leader. This is, yeah, this is so stupid. So basically so the guy rude. dies, the kid goes back to the Knights Templar place in Paris and says, here's the sword. They're like, where is he? And they're like, well, my fiance and, and her father will bury him respectfully. And they're like, no, no we, have to, we, have to, we have to bury him in the Knights Templar fashion, blah, blah, blah. And they go come back and the, the fiance has been basically murdered and strung up and, and he like loses his shit and everyone else is like, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what do you think happened? Yeah. And it's basically, it was a revenge from, from the, like the one highwayman guy who like survived that conflict. But yeah. And then because of the sword being returned to the nice Templar oh, thing, right. oh yeah, we get this tiny little... <sighs> It's funny how it's depicted, but basically one of the older Knights Templar guys is trying to like clean up the swords. It can be buried with the, the leader who died. And he does the thing where like uh, people might know, know it from Pirates of the Caribbean where like they hold the sword so it does the balance and it overbalances and he's like, what's going on? It's a little piece of... <laughs> a secret <laughs> compartment. A secret compartment at the top of the sword that has a little piece of like glass bead that's from a light fixture that he puts back in the light fixture and the at the very very end of the episode we basically get a, a an image of a cross from the light fixture and they go the holy grail <laughs> yeah it's like a a little projection against the wall yes yeah, so they're basically like oh the holy grail is in france and it's like how do you how do you get, know that how do you get, that? You get maybe that? he just maybe he just thought it was like a little relic that he could have with him i don't know but anyway as soon as he was like, they got it out and they were like putting in the thing. And so it was like, what's happening? And I was like, it's going to be like national treasure. And then it was a very national treasure moment, right? Where uh, he's like, yeah, that's what it made me think of. At least, anyway, the, nas- at least national treasure is more quippy, you know? Yeah. It knows it's ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, like I said, I think it was like, you know, it's, it's a bit ridiculous. And if it sort of showed its ridiculousness a bit more upfront, I think I would enjoy it more. Um, yeah, but because it does take itself very seriously, it's it like seems this is a very serious subject subject matter. It's so important. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Um, One thing actually that I also wanted to add that I really liked um, mm-hmm. that I forgot to say before. I haven't seen this before. It might be in other things. It probably is. I don't know if this is their idea. But the the little like um, shot through like from inside the helmet. Oh like yeah, I love that kind of moment. I love that too. That was really cool. It's, I looked it up and it's in their advertising quite a bit as well. And I really liked that. So in in the beginning scenes, it's not later, but while they're wearing their helmets in the battle, you get these shots that are like of their kind of face with the light from the slit in the armor. Mm. And you sort of see them it's talking like a to each other and stuff. Like a, it's like the Iron Man inside of the helmet kind of moment. Yeah. Um, and I really like that because I think medieval battles, right, you sort of either have like a really grand scale and it's like, look at these huge armies that are going to have this conflict or you get that really like, this is supposed to be nitty gritty, shaky, close contact, like you're on the ground mm. with them and everyone's falling over next to you and blah, blah, blah. And you kind of know what you're going to get from a medieval battle scene. Mm. Like it's sort of the, that's, you know what it's going to be. And I thought that was really like a different way to do it that put me in the battle, you know, like, you know, I'm kind of quite used to the other technique of having you as though you're standing there and everyone's kind of there's chaos all around you so that was actually like I was quite like terrifying because you couldn't see anything like all you could yeah. see was his face you're like what's happening like he might be about to get hit by something you don't know yeah I quite exactly liked, I liked that you got this real like sense of being in that moment with them and because you can't you wouldn't be able to see a lot through those helmets no. as well like I've I've put helmets on at medieval fairs and like the vision is atrocious <laughs> obviously better than having your head cut in half but like 
it's not a good time. So I actually thought that really put you in that moment quite well. I really liked that as a kind of film technique. Yeah, and another <laughs> a, another film that we'll probably talk about in the coming months is The King as well. I don't know if you've seen that one, Tess, but they really... I haven't watched it yet, but I know what you're Yeah, about. they do this really fantastic thing where they, like, show how absolutely exhausting it is to wear armour and actually fight in a battle. Like, I found that that was something that this, this show did as well. Like, it's just not easy for them. They're heavy breathing mm. and they're exhausted and stuff. So, so I did like that as well. So- I thought... I thought like that was one of the things that made me go, oh, okay. Cause the, the prologue, I guess what you call it, the pre title amble is really long. And mm. <laughs> that was mm. one of the highlights of that part because some of it, you're just like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. Who are they talking yeah. to? Like all that sort of stuff. But yeah. I don't, I'm not invested in any of these characters yet. So therefore I don't really care about this. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I liked that. Anyway, yeah. Oh, that was cool. The one thing that I didn't like is all the English names. I thought that was really Oh my weird. God. Yeah, Sophie was like, is this supposed to be in France? I was like, yes. And like, at no one, point, one has a French accent. You've got like one yeah. French sounding name. And I was like, yes, I know they all sound English slash American. <laughs> like, I get it that the Knights Templar were like multi-nation organization. You didn't, didn't discriminate or whatever, but like Landry. They were set right? in France. <laughs> yeah. Landry, and you got Philip, like, <laughs> but you got Land- Landry is the main character. And at one point, like some guy comes up and says, oh, I'll make Gawain over here. I love that. I was like, who's... Who is Gawain? Who added a Gawain here? Come on, man. Yeah. Is there a Knights Templar named Gawain? I doubt it. There's definitely a Jeffrey in there as well. Like, they're just all really English names. And I'm just like, these... Does not... In that sense, yeah, it does not feel like France at all. Yeah, and... Gilly, that peasant boy and girl, and, like, the like the little farmhouse vibe. I was like, yeah. this is, this should be countryside France. Yeah. Be the Frenchest bit. Get away with like Paris being a kind of metropolis and there's, you know, there'd be lots of different people there, but come on. <laughs> like, I don't even well, remember is, his name. I can't even like, remember their names, but like they're having conversations about what they would name their kids. And at one point he turns around and said, I'd name the daughter would be called Rose. Rose. And it's like, that's not an, that's not a French name. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you haven't even tried. Yeah. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, do you that see was a your... bit of an issue with the space, the kind of sense of place, yeah. Do you see yourself watching more of this? <laughs> mm, probably the not, truth. to be quite honest. I'll try. I might try, but probably not. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I, I think I watched a little bit more of the second, like the second episode as we were watching mm. for the first, like I just carried on. It's on Netflix, so it just sort of started. Yeah, easy to binge. <laughs> yeah, and... I have yet to make it through the second episode and I think I've like restarted it a couple of times. I can't even remember what's going on. I think the Pope turns up. He's played by oh, the good. butler, the butler from Downton Abbey, which I found really funny. Love but that. the thing that I found really funny as well is as I was researching for this episode, I found that like the Pope that appears, so he's Pope Boniface the eighth. He appears mm-hmm. in it and then Pope Clement the something is supposed to be the Pope in 1304. Cool. They've already screwed that up. So <laughs> love that. Yeah. Well, you know, they did tell us right from the start. It's history and fiction, as they Yeah. And they, you know, there's a there's an interview with one of the writers, I think, or the historical the consultant for it, who sort of says, Yeah, it definitely blends like history and drama, and there's a lot of the drama. Yeah. <laughs> um, I sort of got a sense that what it wanted you to think was that the grail narrative is the fiction and the Templars are real. Like that they're giving you this, like the setting's real, Mm. the people are real, you know, Philip's real, the Jews stuff is real, but then the grail 
mystery is the is the yeah. mythology that it's bringing in. That's what I felt from watching it. Like I, I felt yeah, like no, that I was agree the sort you. of mystical bit is the Grail in this real setting. So uh, yeah. so maybe they can get away with a bit more of. I don't want to say inaccuracies because I hate talking about if something is accurate or not as a main point of call, but those, you know, things like having the wrong pope, (laughs) they can get away with, you know, because they have this, well, it's not real. It is a fantasy story as well because of this sort of holy grail narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's two seasons of this, so I don't know like where we go. Maybe if we try and watch some more, we'll mention it later or how we feel about it in another well, episode. Yeah, touch base with everyone and let, know, let them know how we feel. Just before we go, I was just going to mm. ask you, so you've looked a little bit into the Knights Templar's sort of downfall mm-hmm. um, and sort of the trials. Do you, could you just give us a brief like ramble about that? Like what? what that exactly entailed like because I don't quite know what happened so they were really rich (laughs) um and they had kind of a lot of power and there was a lot of like political tension between Philip the king of France and the Templar organization and there was a lot of like I think kind of insular like secrecy within the organization like stuff Mm -hmm. that the king didn't like and then also the politics between they technically worked for the pope right so they were kind of a a catholic military organization so Mm not under the control of the King of France. So there's a lot of tension about that. So they brought these, the the King of France brought a whole bunch of accusations against the organisation, against the members for heresies, mostly like they were charged with, like I can say, as I said, sodomy, kind of having lewd, like kissing rituals for when they um, would like, what's the word that I want? Initiation, like initiation rituals. All this other kind of... Yeah. <laughs> there were lots of different like trials to it that they were like it wasn't just about sodomy, obviously. That's just sort of what I'm interested in. But it was heresy broadly, like that they had to deny Christ and they like all these kind of different there were like a whole bunch of different things they were accused of. And the mm. trial takes like I think it's from from memory thirteen oh seven to thirteen twelve. That's a long 14? time. Like like it's like years of these trials. Wow. That eventually kind of lead to their like you can't uh, you can't recover for that but but the the leaders and a bunch of them are like burnt at the stake i wonder if our old mate laundry will end <laughs> i wonder if laundry is gonna get burnt today. yeah <laughs> um there's still a lot of like academic debate about what the actual motivation for the trial was what the yeah. actual heresies that were going on were, which things are really going on like it's tr- difficult with records to see what actually happened and then you know they they redistributed their like lands and wealth and blah 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 after the trial uh, okay so, interesting to see where that so they basically I don't, just I don't know them. about that but yeah basically killed them all and then we get stuff like national treasure where you know there's this like secret treasure of the knights templar that's still out there oh, <laughs> we yeah, should yeah. watch national treasure as a movie to talk about definitely watch a national treasure as a movie out there i mean everyone should also just watch it uh, <laughs> hilarious yeah, so that's my that's my brief knowledge i don't know how much of that the show is going to go into but it is interesting that they're yeah, see, her- in heresy yeah. in general yeah, um, no, that's not just witchcraft. That's one of the points <laughs> I was going to say that like heresy mm. is not really a sexy topic for mm. these particular shows to show. Like we've got, I guess the Borgias and the Tudors kind of tackle it because they have to. Mm. Um, but that's also mostly from a Reformation perspective. And I've read yeah. like a little bit further that the Cathars come up and those aren't familiar with the Cathars. They're a kind of religious group that were 
heavily persecuted in in France during the medieval period, like sort of around this time. So, and they were sort of persecuted because they were quite secretive. There was propaganda against them saying that they were all into this like weird sex stuff and and they should be persecuted because of the way that they worshipped, which wasn't the right right. way. (laughs) And I think think quite a lot of people's general knowledge of the medieval period would be that like it was Catholic and then it wasn't after the Reformation. Mm. And like that's not true at all. We've got Mm. a whole bunch of different kind of groups and different interpretations that happen during the medieval period. And most of the time you find that they they get persecuted some way or another and wiped out. Yeah, it's it's an interesting take from the perspective to actually include all this stuff. As a segue that you fantastically have just presented me, we're going to talk about Tidelands in our next actual episode. And I'm really excited to discuss that. You can tune into that next week. There is the kind of religious conflict between Mm. Protestant and Catholic groups in England is a main kind of theme of the book, which we will explore. And if you haven't already, you can also listen. This is not a segue. This is just because now we're talking about episodes. You can also listen (laughs) to our discussion of Tattooist of Auschwitz, which is our first episode that talks about an actual book after our introductory episode as well, which you can also check out. They're both on our um, Anchor page, but also on lots of different platforms now. We're you on know, Apple now, which is exciting. Apple, Spotify, yeah. yeah. Check Google that Podcasts, out. some other ones that I've never heard of. Woo! <laughs> but yeah, don't forget to subscribe to where you find us. That would be really helpful for us because then we can know how many of you are having a listen and getting involved, which is really exciting for us. And yeah, give us so- feedback. Yeah, definitely give Tell us, us if you want, if you've got things you want us to listen to or watch or thoughts you want to add, we will happily like add people's extra comments or questions you ask at the beginning of the next episode yeah. or something or answer on social media. So hit us up with your thoughts. Tell and us if as- you liked Nightfall. <laughs> <laughs> and as we've seen from this episode, we're very happy to do some bonus episodes as well. Yeah. Just like covering some really dorky or really good historical dramas or films. Got plans for some more, but we haven't fully planned it out. So just definitely let us know. We might not watch Braveheart. I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) Please. Also, if you're recommending books, both of us are not really fans of first person fiction. Yeah. Uh, Just just putting it out there. We're struggling with that. There's a lot of first person writing in historical fiction. Bear that in mind. Still recommend us stuff, but do know that it might be a struggle. (laughs) We might say no. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, we should wrap it up. Yeah. So, no. so thanks, thanks for listening to this little ramble about a random episode of something that we just kind of decided to talk about. Uh, we hope you really enjoyed our little bonus content and we will try to put more out for you. We have a little plan for something that's going to come up later this month. So get excited for that, but we will not tell you what it is yet. So thank you so much for listening. And until you hear us in your ears next week when we were discussing Tidelands, happy reading. Um, I say um so much and I can I now recognise what the um looks like in the audio wavelength <laughs> it looks like a little like little like so funny don't edit that out okay. that's funny <laughs> looks like a little like fossilised fish you know those little like um stelic no were they uh, never mind that's hilarious <laughs> yeah I love that